welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, he's Steve, and Master Chief has no business taking off his helmet in episode 266 today, March 25th, 2022. We are going to be getting right into our topic of the day, which is the Halo TV show reactions. On Paramount+. Plus. On Paramount Plus, absolutely. But before we actually get into the nitty gritty of things, make sure you obliterate that subscribe button. Maybe frag that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm, which drops once a week, every week. Steve, we ended up watching the very first episode of the aforementioned right Paramount Plus Halo TV show. This has been in production for yeah. a couple of years at least. I'm not sure exactly Paramount how long. Minus. Yeah. Indeed. Indeedy Rudy. I guess uh, high level thoughts from you, Steve. What did you think? I will say I like the action, Russ. Um, they get right down to it. We don't really know what's going on, but um, things start to heat up pretty darn quick. They do. And um, you see a lot of stuff that you're Used to seeing in the game, which is great. A lot of the sound effects, you know, are there, and then, you know, a lot of the, the the like the voice, I guess, you know, from like the elites and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. The models of everything are really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so action, I would say, is pretty darn spot on. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, Russ, where it kind of falters is well, everything else. Um, meaning like oh. the like the dialogue. I you know the kind of just a little bit you know kind of. Topsy turvy kind of dialogue. And the dialogue, so, you say? Dialogue, Russ. Um, and maybe some of the um, the casting was a little mm. off. Some of it was really on. Others <laughs> were off. What about you? Well, no, I agree. No, I, okay. I think that. That's great. Next point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are just. <laughs> mm, just, we're just Thank you for watching. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Have a good day. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, I totally agree. I think the, um, I've put together like, like just a little short list ah, of, of yeah. the good, the bad, and like the, the ugly. Huh? Well, no, not <laughs> not the ugly, but just kind of like the like Twilight Zone ish, which mm-hmm. you know. Well, I'll get to in a bit. But no, I share your sentiment. I think when when I was going into this, I like many fans of Halo have expectations, and we had read about. Some things that were amiss that were going on uh, within the production studio that made me a little apprehensive just because, again, this is a franchise that I have enjoyed since 2001, and therefore I'm a very, very big invested fan in this whole world that is Halo, as I know Mm. you are, Steve. Yes. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, like when, when it came down to it, first off... I I did like most of the production value that I saw. I mean, it, it, it felt like it was a show that had a respectable budget. You know, I, I feel as though the action sequences like you talked about, I was actually delighted about that. Because, right. I mean, when you think of like a TV show, especially when it comes to a, a show that's based off of a video game, it can go one of two ways, right? I mean, <laughs> drastically. Yeah. Like, like you either are going to go for the brutality or you're going to go for just the, pachoo, pachoo, oh, 
oh, oh, I got hit and I'm going to fall to the ground now. And luckily that didn't happen at all. I, I mean, we saw mayhem. It was at times uh, violent, but in a very appropriate way. And as a result, I ended up buying more into the show because I was like, okay, they're not pulling any punches. I mean, like they are, I mean, you are seeing limbs getting blown off. You were seeing people just being vaporized into like just a poof of uh, kind of red smoke or something. I mean, like it, it was, it was very visceral. And unapologetically so, which I think was really, really cool. Like, like it, the, the, a show like this needed to have that. Right. Another thing I really liked were the Spartans. I bought into the Spartans um, in general, where like you know you see Spartan One One Seven, as well as as his squad and the way they move, the way they carry themselves. Um, I would say they they got pretty close to the mark. Like, like there were certain moments where I think some of the, the fisticuffs, like the actual like hand-to-hand combat, felt a little lightweight. Like I, I wanted to really kind of have more mass and feeling when it came to like, you know, whether it was a punch that was being thrown or really maybe even some like Spartan Kung Fu type <laughs> stuff. Like, like not straight up Wing Kung Fu. Chung. <laughs> yeah, like 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 not straight up kung fu, but like in that vein. Like if you think of um, Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, right? Like they actually incorporated almost like their own version of hand to hand combat yeah. martial arts, right. which fit perfectly with Batman's suit and what he had to work with. And I think I would really like to see something like that in this show where it doesn't have to be too showmanshipy or last too long because again, they're soldiers. They're designed to kill as fast as they possibly can. I just want to see more of that. What would you think about that? Yeah, they did show some of it. I mean, it was more so, I guess, Master Chief, I guess some of the others where, um, you know, he was kind of ducking the gunfire and then he would come up and just not what would have been just like a pistol whip, like in the game, you know, he just took his gun and used it as a, just a, a club basically right. uh, for the elites, which is cool. And I, I don't know. I, I kind of remember him kicking a little bit, but um, definitely not any Bruce Lee, you know, roundhouses or nothing, but basically doing what he could with a lot of oomph and gumption to like throw them around a bit, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying there. I would, I would have liked some, um, some judo, you know, with the elites swinging their swords and stuff, grabbing and throwing them, tossing them around, WWF style. I think W actually, okay, so WWF is a great way to book in what you're talking about because that is more or less what I'm thinking about when it comes to the Spartans, where I'm not, I'm not expecting roundhouse scissor kicks or anything like that for right. Spartans. Again, they're gruff. They're, they are an unstoppable force and therefore they're all about throwing down and tussling. Like if, right. if, if they get into that close combat where their weapons really are no longer a thing, that ammo, you know, they, they're going to be, man, I, I, basically it's like a knockdown drag out WWF brutal bar fight kind right. of thing. But again, it's not with Neanderthals like swinging wildly it, They're like every single type of punch or kick or grapple they do is very much tactical and calculated. And we as an audience should be really feeling every one of those, those punches connect, right? You're like, just, I mean, just that, just that slamming and you're like, Ooh, you know, you you really feel it, which I feel like they were in that direction. They were in the right direction because 
quite often you and I were having, um, I think those positive responses where I was like, oh my gosh, they, they, they went there. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I think one of my, one of my favorite scenes was close to the end where they were uh, invading, the elites were invading the colony and the more, you know, buffed out Spartan, he's just walking up to this elite who's got his, you know, saber out and he grabs just like a, a, a metal pipe and was trading blows with this elite yes. and I uh, was you know, smacking him in the face, you know, just crude, but awesome. Right. Uh, and you know, like shields didn't even matter. He just was swinging on him. And then, I mean, it looked like he impaled him, but it, he oh. just got, got it in there, lifted it up. And I'm like, yes, let's go. That was awesome. It's it really great. was. Yeah, yeah, no, that I think that was definitely one of my favorite moments within the entire kind of battle sequence within the, right. the outpost that was there was like, again, yeah, I want to see them know what's around them, be able to turn anything they touch into a weapon. And that was very satisfying to see that. I mean, just, I mean, the, the performances, the bodily performances within the Spartans, cause you know, they're, they're totally masked up. You sure. can't, you don't yeah. see any kind of facial emotion. But you you could see that person was just like, yeah, get it, you know. Like, <laughs> what, I, what I also thought was cool that they they showed us is um, one of the Spartans grabbed a plasma pistol, or he picked up the the, the weapon, the alien weapon. Yeah. I think I think it was a pistol, wasn't it a pistol? I, I think he grabbed either both because I remember he charged the the pistol and you know, and then you know splattered. Well, his there was a plasma pistol face. that that I think he picked up that he charged up and just went yeah yeah yeah. That was awesome. Really so they did give us a lot of stuff that I, you know, I think we would hope to see, at least so far. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, that's still out there. This is only to show one. Season one. See, episode oh, one. Episode one, right. So we haven't seen the grunts yet. You know, we haven't seen the uh, those little mini brutes with the shields, the guys that are paying the butt all the time. They block all your shots. I don't like those guys. They don't like me. I don't like them. The jackals? Jackals! Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, most certainly welcome, Steve. Uh, but we did see like the battle rifle, the assault rifle. Mm -hmm. like, they didn't look like they included um, like the commando rifle from the latest game. That's, oh, that's okay. You know, like, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, I want them to dole that stuff out. Sure. I don't want them to like show no, every single weapon because we know they're going to, I mean, right. you know, the rocket launcher is totally going to make an appearance somewhere. You know that they're going to, yeah. if they don't do that, that's a big whoopsie daisy. Yeah. Um, we got the pistol, of course, the pistol made yeah. up. And what I, what I thought was kind of cool, too, is that they had the, this is kind of a small thing, but I liked it, which was they had the little zoom, like in his yeah. visor, which is what you can do in the game, or at least, you know, most of the weapons, you can kind of zoom up a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I appreciate it. It was just a small thing, but a small touch, but I, I appreciated it. And they had other small touches, too. Like, for instance, uh, Master Chief at one point is having those, like, three or four elites turn their attention away from the, the sniper Spartan that was under duress and, and start to shoot at him. And so he had his shields all of a sudden go down to zero. So then he went undercover and then you actually saw from a first person perspective, his visor at the top has that classic, you know, and right. again, fan service, but again, that's also totally what we expect. Right. And they could have done it a different way too, which I mean, I can kind of see some of these, you know, game kind of movies where they want to include stuff, but not have it be corny yeah. and because it's real life. And it, they didn't like, you know, he jumped down like anybody would playing the game just to recover their shield before they jump back into the action. And it would make sense to still hear like a noise to, you know, let 
the Spartan know, yep, you're hundred percent now, you know, go back to it sort of thing. It wouldn't just be like a meter. And he, it, I don't know. It was just a small touch. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah. And, and I think overall, like that whole opening scene was a great way to just start the entire season. It's something that gave, I think, a lot of, of us Halo fans, something to kind of chew on and then allow us to then get a bit more into the exposition after that. When I think of first impressions, though, one of my favorite kind of openers, if you will, when it can, when it comes to the games, I believe I want to say it was actually Halo 5. Um, but it was the one where you had all those Spartans in the Pelicans. They were coming in hot and then um, they skydive. They like jumped out of the Pelicans and were together and they were basically skydiving down into, I think it was like the snow or something. And they were like bringing, breaking out their weapons as they were like just sliding down this huge mountain. And like, you weren't even controlling them at this point. Like it was like this total in game cinematic. And then eventually the camera will like got around behind your Spartan. But I mean, it, succeeded in completely hyping you up as the game. You're like, all right, let's get in there and do this. You know, like, like you were totally ready to go. So I, th- I feel like that game, and I want to say it was Halo 5. I don't think it was Halo 4 because um, I think it came out right around 2015-ish, hmm. somewhere around there. Does, does that sound familiar yeah, to you, Steve? It could be. I don't, yeah, I don't think it was Halo 4 because Halo 4, I mean, you were just kind of all these distant planets and, you know, chasing the forerunners really but halo 5 you definitely had more uh i guess different landscapes i guess more of a variety that you were at yeah i'm pretty sure it was it was the opener to halo 5 and uh which is saying something because i'm actually not a fan of that particular installment of halo but my goodness like the way that that if if that one is correct if i'm thinking of the right one that to me that sets the the precedent for like okay you guys have to outdo that. Or like, even if it was a live action version of that entire scene, if they, if they like recreated that same sequence, oh, that'd be so cool. But I do feel like with this show, they did have a nice kind of um, entrance. Right. Speaking of entrance. Um, so what we had was, you know, this, this colony getting overrun and they're just a I mean, not not even overrun. It's just obliterated, annihilated, just slaughtered, right? And so uh, I think it was that general looks up and he sees the pelican right above, and and we know what that is. Yeah. I don't know if like he recognized I me. Mean, he definitely did when the Spartans jumped out. But um, <laughs> I got goosebumps. Then I'm like, yes, that's it. Come on, let's go. Show's now about to begin. Um, and so then they all, of course, jumped down and the butt kickery began. I did also like how the Spartans walked. I mean, they, they definitely had a heavy foot. Uh, yeah. Heavy foot, but also a commanding foot. Like, I mean, again, so much of how they performed was through their body movement since everything was covered up. I mean, sure. that, that becomes a bit of a challenge. I mean, even at least Batman has like this part of his face open. So you can kind of sort of tell what's going on, but right. anyway, Steve, but here's the thing, Russ, is um, the the regular, like, normal people in the show are, are kind of hard to care about, in a way. I don't mean that to sound mean. It's just that I want to know everything about Master Chief and those who support him. And I want it to be true to the game without, I mean, I guess some creative liberties can be taken, but just, like, a little bit. 
And I feel like they really took two broad steps with it. And um, they're trying to make us care too much about um, these other people. Right. And as much as I want to, I just don't. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Halo and I'm watching it not for this girl, right? Quan. Quan, yeah. Um, but I'm watching it for Master Chief. And I think probably other Halo fans might feel the same way. Am I, am I watching it for him or am I watching it for her? I mean, later on, they might just make her like, you know, a Spartan, however they do it. Um, so, I mean, that, I guess the jury's a little bit out on that one, but so far they're really trying to make us focus on her. And I just, I just don't feel it quite yet. Yeah. And, and honestly, that is listed under my, um, the, that's what I call the, the deja vu, the good, the bad, and the deja vu. So <laughs> the reason why I have it, this listed under the deja vu is I'm starting to see a trend, Steve. Are you? I am. If you think of the Mandalorian, you have Mando who Mando. comes into this care of Grogu. So you have a, def, you know, a, you know, let's for the most part, a defenseless creature sure. that is under the care of Mando. Sure. You know, Grogu surprises us sometimes. Sure. It's right. totally understandable. He's not trying to steal the show. No, not at all. But there is definitely a tandem relationship between Grogu and Mando, right? Which is very successful for that particular show. Right. At the same time, I also thought about the Bad Batch. Okay. And how in the Bad Batch, you have a squad of stormtroopers who, you know, they're... They're edgy, they're independent, they have their own little personality types, and, and they're very good at uh, kicking the proverbial batoks. Sure. And in the show, they come across a girl clone by the name of Omega, who then goes with them on their ship. And, tag along, and, yeah. And, and, yeah, it's like this, it's like this tag-along type of trend that I'm seeing. And when it comes to the Halo TV show, my question is. Is this going to also occur with Quan and Master Chief, where clearly they're on this Pelican? They've escaped from the UNSC. Mm. Um, who knows what kind of adventures they're going to be going on? And how long is this going to happen? Like, like is he just going to drop her off somewhere and that's going to be it? Is she going to be around for the entirety of the season? Is she going to go into season two? Like there are, there are certain questions that entered my mind when I saw this be just because this is a trend that I'm noticing. And I don't know right. if you picked up on that or not. Yeah, I did. Um, so hopefully they give us something with it. Um, <laughs> you know, ho hopefully they, they turn it to something, dare I say boring and to something that's like, you know, okay, well, I'm glad I waited this long. You know, I'm glad I didn't make an overall opinion because now it's cool. But they are taking a risk with the first show, um, having her tag along. I mean, maybe by show three, you know, if they did this and then she tagged along for something that the story was leading up to, then fine. But from the get-go, bit risky. It is risky. And to your point, it's because they have uh, a number of characters that, that while we as gamers and fans of Halo we understand their backstories. We understand their sure. per, their personas, that sort of thing. But at the same time, we also want to see what they do with them on like a TV platform. And so when you introduce a new character like this, it's like, okay, well, what is the significance of this character? How does this particular character enrich the lore yeah. 
and the, 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 the universe of Halo because there are a number of other characters that have already pre-existed that make Halo what it is today. Right. Now, I will say, while we're talking about characters... I loved who they casted for Dr. Halsey. I think that... Oh, yeah, no, um, for sure. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, I I, I, I think that, that she looked the part. She yeah. acted... I mean, she was totally the personality of Dr. Halsey. Right. Had that kind of um, always aloof, not quite sure what her motives are, which makes her so uh, <laughs> yeah. interesting and whatnot. So I think that's good. And I had to remind myself, too, this TV series actually takes place before a lot of the stuff happened in the games. Like I think it actually takes place before even the first Halo game because Cortana hasn't been actually made right. yet. That's true. Um, I think this is a bit more, which is cool. I mean, like, like it, it, it takes place a little earlier than when uh, we all got introduced to it. Well, the game. I think you're right because uh, a lot of the, uh, the, the military, the army, they're not, they think the master chief is cool. But they're not all on board. Like, towards the end of the show, they're all ready to obliterate him as if his motives were not pure enough already. Um, and everyone just kind of got on board. Like, okay, we're ready. Yeah, we're going to annihilate him. Like, no, what, what are you guys doing? You know, this doesn't... Uh, I mean, Halsey wasn't necessarily believed yet. Like, she was... It seemed like Master Chief was still in a in-work experiment that they just let out. Into the I, wild. I, I do think that because the, the show takes place earlier than, than the Halo games, right. that the Spartan program is probably still new. Yeah. It's still maybe perhaps just out of its infancy. So there is some distrust among the officials and authorities and that sort of thing. Sure. Dr. Halsey obviously is the, the brainchild behind the Spartan program. But I also think, too, I actually liked... Um, so you're, you're talking about you're, you're fast forwarding through to like the yeah, very end where right. you have the Pelican crash and Master Chief is on it. I, for one, actually liked the sense of threat that the, the Marines exhibited as well as the authorities, because once again, this is a new program, right? Like it, it hasn't been around for, you know, say 50 years or 100 years and proven itself out to be reliable or trustworthy, or whatever. This is still very new. And. So as a result, you have it this basically the superhuman that is suddenly not following orders is is acting on his own accord. And so, you know, I, I found myself believing immediately in how the Marines would treat that as a threat. And I, for one, really liked seeing them come out, surround the Pelican. I mean, they, they meant business, sure. which is really cool because oftentimes when you watch a TV show that has some kind of Marine or space Marine or whatever, or the police, they're always seen as almost like, I don't know, like, like, like fodder for bullets or, or like they're, they're just incompetent or they're just like, Oh, let's go. And they get shot or whatever. <laughs> I shot myself in the foot. <laughs> I'm trained as well. But in this instance, that wasn't the case. Like, I mean, they were a very well-trained, well-oiled machine that, I mean, like they got their orders, they filed out, they and they were not messing around. So I, I found myself appreciating that. I just didn't really get on board with it where, <clears throat> okay, so they have a superhuman. He's not a robot. No. And he doesn't have programming. And so they try and 
Well, I guess, they, yeah, they basically try and kill him by shutting off his air remotely. Well, no, they, they, they weren't trying to kill him. They were trying to make him go unconscious. Or unconscious, pass yeah. out. Because if you recall, Halsey was saying, don't go below 40% because that way it'll just make him go to sleep. Right. And Because we, we don't want to kill him off. Right. But, I mean, so he's not going to know what's going on. Right. There is no programming in his you know, helmet or whatever that says, hey, we're going to put you to sleep. You know, this is just, you know, relax. We're going to put you to be fine. So on his mind, like anybody else's, he's thinking the air equipment is malfunctioning. I'm going into survival mode. I have to breathe. Makes perfect sense to me. And so he's turning the thing on, like he's overriding the, the ship system to have the air come back so he can breathe. I mean, again, it makes perfect sense. And they weren't communicating to him like, no, you're not, you know, we have to do this because we're taking extreme precautions. You know, you're going against protocol, whatever. Um, I, I just wasn't on board with that. So, I mean, yes, the military was committed and everybody was, you know, definitely ready to go all out. Balls to the wall. But um, I just didn't feel the motive was 100%. There were a couple of, of actions that took place before he started to manually turn the oxygen back on. If you recall, they were sitting while she was eating those rations. Uh-huh. And then on his HUD, it came up right. to terminate her. Right. And that's why he asked, what's your name? Right. And she said her name and it was matched and so did the picture. And so at that point, Master Chief had conflict. He had inner conflict with himself because he's seeing this as an unarmed civilian um, and the order is not making sense. So then if you recall, he goes back and he detaches all of the surveillance cameras on the ship. Right. Which then caused him to say, hey, why is Master Chief doing this? This is against protocol. This is against orders. You know, and at that point, that's when they decided to to take down the oxygen because they were afraid that he was going to commandeer, rightfully so, uh, the Pelican and fly somewhere else other than home. So, so those um, different things that, that led up to the oxygen... To me, it makes logical sense. It's like this happens there. You know, for every action, there's an opposite reaction. So I, I, I didn't think that was far fetched or anything like that. But still, did that make sense that they wanted that girl dead? That's part of the mystique, Steve. We don't know why they want the girl dead. At least I didn't pick up on it the first time I watched it. When well, you were going, you are a busy man, Russ. You're at a phone going off. People are like, "Hey, we need you." Everybody wants a piece yeah. of the rust. And you know what? I am happy to oblige. I'm just here to make everybody's dreams come true, Steve. I guess, Russ. <laughs> so what I gathered was that um, uh, young Keys, not Commander Keys, but... Captain uh, Keys, you mean? Captain Keys' daughter. Amanda Keys? Amanda. I knew it was going to be Amanda. I'm just so bad with names. I, I, I didn't think I was right. <laughs> yeah, Amanda is... <laughs> Katie she, Keys? She's, she's the commander. She's Commander Amanda <laughs> Keys, yeah. So Amanda came on and she was basically saying, hey, how about you help us rally the troops, saying the Spartans came and and saved your asses. Um, and, <laughs> and so- Paraphrasing, of course. Yes. <laughs> in the most polite way possible. Politically yeah. correct, bro. Um, this is the diplomatic way. <laughs> yeah. And so it's all how the young kids talk nowadays. It's fine. <laughs> so, uh, and of course the kid doesn't want to do that- um, for some reason, Quan. Well, she's, yeah, she has, well, first of all, she's lamenting um, what happened. You know, she's very much in mourning of her father and of uh, her tribe, so sure, to speak. And sure, but it wasn't the Spartans' fault that that it was, happened. It was not the Spartans' fault. 
but they're painting a picture of, again, there, there's kind of this uneasiness, almost, a, you know, in some cases, a, 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 a distrusting of the UNSC. And I think what's interesting is, is I actually like how they're framing this because you have the UNSC's, <laughs> you have the USA, the UNSC, <laughs> the United <laughs> States Postal <laughs> Service. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the United States Postal Service. <laughs> United States Postal Service. Go and postal on the... Whatever. Um, no, but you have this very powerful entity that exists within the galaxy, and clearly they've made their, their presence known. Yeah. They've definitely been probably pretty aggressive in, in pushing their own propaganda, their own will onto other worlds, that sort of thing. And I think therefore it is realistic that you would have, whether it's a, another colony or you have another species of people or alien, whatever it is there, they are going to bristle at the very least over like, you know, it, if you see a UNSC ship enter your orbit and you're thinking what they're clearly not here to buy potatoes. <laughs> So I think I think that that in her case it was it was cool because we did see Amanda Keys kind of fall into a bit of that propaganda mode, right? Where like she just kind of went on the autopilot of uh, you know grandstanding and wanting to make the UNSC way the right way and that sort of thing, and how Quan really like just kind of saw right through that, and in a sense called her out on that. And so then she had to recalibrate herself because she realized she wasn't dealing with someone who was a simpleton. So again, I, I, I think they're setting the stage for more of a mature, complicated type of intergalactic relationship where the UNSC is still somewhat new. They're definitely newer than when the games came out in terms of like the timeline. And I think they're kind of in this PR mode where they're trying to figure out how do we get along with everybody else in the galaxy because we know that we have a, a responsibility to protect our own and we have a desire to want to protect other like, you know, defenseless life and that sort of thing. But they come across kind of gruff. But they don't come across like they're conquering. Right. And so, I mean, they, they definitely come across as trying to protect or to police, but not to execute and not to conquer. And so, and, and I guess where I, that's where I draw the line is, uh, you know, people had picked up on the propaganda and you saw this colony talking about, oh, like, you know, these, these super troopers and blah, 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 blah. You know, I can't trust them. And like, okay, you know, got to change bad sort of thing. You know, uh, <laughs> we don't want your kind here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> anyhow, but then the Spartans came and proved themselves. Um, I don't know. I just didn't really see it as, um, I mean, the Spartans are human, but superhuman and they're protecting other humans. So I would see, I, I can see that the regular, like you and me type of folk can see a connection, especially when keys came on and yeah. Okay. So their, their vision didn't line up, um, but still you saved our butts or one butt really wasn't. Everybody else died, but um, you made a mess of everything else. There were 150 <laughs> of them. Why did only one survive? Yeah, detention. Anyway, I think a really good way to look at this too is what's that, Russ? Imagine, if you will, Steve. Don't know how. You're hanging out. Hmm. 
having some sweet tea. Mm. You're just minding your own business, enjoying your weekend. Mm. When all of a sudden you see a transport jet mm. fly over America, mm. land in your backyard, and it's filled with a bunch of uh, French people or Germans or British. Doesn't matter who it is. But again, and they're not trying to, to off you or kill you or whatever, but I mean, you're, you're going to feel uh, a little defensive there, aren't you? You're going to be like, you know, um, this is our area. What are you doing here? And, uh, you know, that there's going to be kind of that tension that's there, you know, and, and rightfully so. It would, and I think that even America has some of that happen too, because as the world superpower, we end up being in situations or places where our troops come in because we can and not because <laughs> we want to take over, but because we're here to deal with a situation. But I think that ruffles the feathers of the, of the locals, right? The local folk. And they have every right to be, to feel that way because again, they're just, it's like that weird, like, okay, you haven't killed me yet. You killed the guys that were clearly the bad guys, but now what are <laughs> yeah. you gonna, you're going to, you're not going to do anything else. Are you? And you know, and, and so on and so forth. So I feel like that that's a really good way to kind of wrap one's mind around what they are framing in the show. Okay, fine. I do want to talk about the Covenant Authority, like one of the leaders that we did yes. see. Awesome. Like the CG was really, really good. And they had several close-ups of his face. It looked great too. <clears throat> but I didn't know who that uh, the kid was. Like there's a human kind of hanging out around him. Looks like a very young Star Wars Emperor sort of little Padawan. Yeah, I wasn't buying the uh, uh, the outfit by itself was cool. But, yes. But I do agree with you. I think that, that that belonged more like in Star Wars. Like I could see her being yeah. like a Sith Lord or something like that. Yeah. Um, oh, what is that that type of Sith? What is it, Russell? There are different classes of yes, Sith. Yes, there is. Inquisitor. I could totally see her being a Sith Inquisitor. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I went back and forth with it where on the one hand, the covenant leader looked great, uh, wonderful articulation in the face. Mm. I loved how, um, it wasn't just a fleeting thing, how they spoke in the alien tongue for a while. Yeah. Totally thought that was great. Um, mm. she, you know, I will say visually her face was interesting to look at, but again, I don't think personally that the covenant would have had a human, hang yeah. out with them. No. And especially not at that level of where, I mean, she was living pretty comfortably. I mean, it, was. it wasn't like she was in some sort of horrific prison. Yeah. They and, weren't torturing her for information. Right. Yeah. So that part I found hard to swallow. Cause I was just like, okay, based off the halo games, the covenant don't take human prisoners. I mean, like, right, yeah, right. sure. Okay. I will resend that. They technically had, Marines that were in their jails. Like if you went into one of the yeah, covenant ships and you, yeah. you came in and you know, you opened up and stuff, but like, sure. you know, on their home world, not so much. Did we see human no. prisoners? No, 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 no. Their home world looked cool too. Uh, overall, yeah, it was more like a space station. Really? This one. Well, no, was it? It was like, it was, a, it was like an was organic mushroom station. shape ah, with like station. tendrils and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. You live inside me. Whoa. <laughs> um, um, Master Chief took off his helmet, Russ, in episode one. He did, and he did. we're forever gonna rec recognize, remember that face 
in all the Halo games as if they created the lore of like, this is how Master Chief looks. And that mixed with, I mean, they, they could have, like we were talking about the other, last night, they could have used this, the regular voice actor if they were going to keep the guy's helmet on. But because they scripted him to take his helmet off, they had to have an actor behind the helmet to show his face and therefore they used his voice. But I thought, well, no, I would rather, nothing against the actor, it's cool, but I would rather Master Chief keep his helmet on. I agree. I think that in terms of Master Chief as a character, Master Chief should remain faceless simply because that allows us as gamers to be able to be the Master Chief as we play the game, right? It's like the, you know, the helmet provides kind of like that, that gateway opportunity to be um, in that fantasy, right, of being Spartan 117. Like, you know, what does the face of John look like? And, um, you know, on the one hand, you have that that connection as a player where it's like, yeah, I am John Spartan. I'm going through the, the campaigns and I'm, I'm learning about what's happening in the stories. But at the same time, there's also a... I feel like there there is a bit of a detachment there because we all know that we are not John Spartan. We are controlling John Spartan. And therefore, there's a mystique. You know, it's the same thing as the Mandalorian in the sense where like, you know, before you got to the episode where he took his mask off, there was a whole lot of mystique surrounding what does he look like? Right. And so I think when it comes to this, I totally agree. I think this is one of the bad things about the show. They should never have taken his mask off. I think his mask should have remained on at all times because this is John Spartan 117. This this kind of thing doesn't happen. I know that there are certain trailers and even like at the end of certain um, Halo games where if like you beat the game on Legendary, they show him back at headquarters and he and his armor is is coming off and like you know they give you like a little tease or like we're like as like the helmet comes off you briefly see like his face or whatever but again that's intentional in the sense like we're, we don't want to sit there and get a nice big clear close-up of what john spartan looks like and so you know i i share that same sentiment in the sense that nothing against the actor but again there are certain expectations that I think the fans of the Halo community have when we look at something like this, where it's like, okay, not only did he take his helmet off, he took it off in this first episode. Yeah. You know? And so again, you're, you're starting to remove that very special mystique that master chief has. Just makes me wonder, um, who's calling the shots on the show. Is it three, four, three, or is it like somebody else? Cause I mean, three, four, three is in the credits. Mm-hmm. And it's their property, right? So, I mean, they would, I guess, have to give the okay. Um, because if the game didn't exist, the show wouldn't exist. You know what I'm saying? So, at some point, someone says, like, yeah, that's okay. Go ahead and give it. Go ahead and do that. And I just think... It, see, I go back and forth with 343 because, of course, they want to keep the franchise alive. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like it's one step forward and one step back for them. Where they say, okay, we're going to make games like Halo games where you're going to continue the series. You're like, okay, great. And then like the enemies don't make sense or the story doesn't make sense. I'm like, okay, well, we're going to rework everything or, you know, Halo Infinite one's going to come out and we're like, what does this game even look like? Are you, this is what you're going to give us? Oh, no, no, no. We're going to go back and fix it again, you know? And then they fix it in like the multiplayer. It's so, I don't, I don't, I really don't get it. But um, to me, this kind of goes along that vein of 
what 343 has done with the series where I just don't understand what like the, the, the core Halo fan base really wants and to give us more of that. They're, they're taking too many creative liberties and um, I don't know, it just feels like, I, I feel kind of like it's wrong. To back up a bit, um, and I will, I will respond to what you just said, oh, but thanks. like um, one of the things that you mentioned earlier too was the voice of John Spartan. And again, I, I know I, before the show came out, there was um, uh, a press release that talked about how they were not using the voice from the game. So I knew that going in, like as we were watching the show, I'm like, okay, I've already read about this and it's a bummer. But, and then it just, it was kind of like, it still hit me because then he starts talking. I'm like, that is not Master Chief. Right. I'm sorry, but like, I'm going to be a stickler on this because the voice of Master Chief is vital. It is quintessential to who Master Chief is. There is so much inflection and uh, just conviction and all kinds of little nuances that we as gamers have enjoyed for the last 20 plus years whenever we control Master Chief and I don't think I don't think it's a personally I could totally be wrong but I don't think it's a question of the voice actor just wasn't interested in the opportunity yeah, are no. you kidding me yeah no you know and with a, with a show like this and especially with 343 backing it give the man a paycheck you know, if he's asking for a little bit more, give it to him. Why? Because you are forfeiting brand affinity from your hardcore fan base by not having the voice of John Spartan 117 in your show. Instead, and you called this out um, <laughs> very uh, acutely, he sounds like Mando. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you watch him walk around. You're like, wait, is I thought we were watching Halo. Why, why are we hearing Mando speak out of uh, Master Chief's helmet? That's a big issue, guys. That's a huge issue because, once again, that type, that style of voice has already been trademarked and conditioned to be expected to come from the Mandalorian. You cannot copy something like that, and especially in this instance where... This character has existed for a long time. We know perfectly well yes. what his voice sounds like. So you don't want to alienate, once again, your core group of fans that is going to make this show either a success or a failure. You don't want to mess with things that are not broken. I mean, again, it's such a... It's such a, like, like a no-brainer. Like, I know. you know, it's like, oh, we're doing a Halo TV show? Okay, priority number one. Get the voice actor who plays uh, Master Chief to sign on, so that we have him done and good to go. That should be that should have been handled in pre-production. So again, no, again, this is not like uh, any disrespect to the actor that they hired, uh, whether it's the the guy who's who's uh, portraying Master Chief or if they got someone else to do the voice. I have no idea, but I mean, I assume it's the same guy. They you know they mastered his audio. It is a head scratcher, but honestly, Hollywood has always had this issue. They've always, it's the weirdest thing. And I think part of it has to do with the narcissism in the industry where they think, oh, I clearly as a creative know better how to make this world even better. And therefore I'm going to decide that this, this, and this happens instead. And just 
<laughs> unilaterally completely alienate your fan base because you were not humble and respectful toward the source material. It's so easy <laughs> to make something like this a success based off of what is already there. You don't need to go in there and muck everything up. So I'll get off my soapbox. On That's that. good, Russ. I feel clean now with all that soap. Is it cathartic, Steve? Yes. Mm. Hashtag source material. I like that. Russ, yeah, indeed. What else do you have to say, Steve? What did you all think about the voice, though? I mean, are you with us? You like it? You... I have an idea. What if they, too late now, but going back in time. Indeed. What if, okay, so at some point they decided to take the guy's mask off. Uh -huh. What if they met us halfway where they said, okay, when his helmet is on, it sounds like the Master Chief, maybe like in the radio or something like that. Like he's got to communicate. So when the mask is on, he sounds like Master Chief. And then when he has to take his mask off, because, you know, he has to do nah. it, I guess, then it's the other actor and it's his face. And then it he sounds like 24 7. Yeah. 100% of the time. But anyway. So just like the Master Chief we know and love. That's right. But if y'all like it, let us know. If y'all have any other ideas of what you'd like to see, let us know in the comments. Indeed. Yeah, we always like ourselves a healthy debate, a healthy sparring of sorts. Yeah. Ideology. Glass of tea, Russ. I don't, by the way, tea. I don't drink sweet tea, Russ. I'm sweet enough as it is. I love me some sweet tea. Don't you know about by now? I'll give me some sweet tea. Sweet tea. <laughs> Another aspect that I think is um, <laughs> worth talking about is the UNSC itself. Mm. So the UNSC is an abbreviation for United Nations Space Command, I want to say. United Nations Space Command. So that means that you have representation from all the different countries of Earth, sure. right? Yeah. You know, they all are part of this, you know, again, it's like a United a UN kind of uh, set of a situation. So therefore, you expect to see all kinds of different folks who are there, um, you know, voicing their opinions, calling the shots, what have you. And I feel like the show did a good job of actually kind of showcasing that ecosystem that exists on Earth with regards to the UNSC. At the same time, I am going to be critical of the OG characters that have already pre-existed within the games. Mm. And what I'm talking about is Captain Keys and Keys. Amanda Keys. Yeah. In Halo lore... It's talked about how Dr. Halsey basically hooked up with Captain Keys and had Amanda. Amanda Keys is the daughter of both Dr. Halsey as well as Captain Keys. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Ah, space romance. So again, uh, I, I want to be perfectly clear because this, right. this, this is something that can Focus. easily be... Shut up. This can easily be misconstrued. And so I want to be surgical about this, okay? Yeah. So the actors themselves that they hired, I like the actors. I think they act really well. Mm. I think that they, there's there's actually a lot of quality that's there. However, I'm also a stickler for being someone who is you know stays respectful to the source material once again. Hashtag. I am a creative purist in that regard. So that means that if I play a game, and not just one game, but I'm playing multiple games that shows Captain Keys as a Caucasian male 
And I have been seeing that for the last 20 plus years. And I have been watching also as Amanda Keys is also a Caucasian woman with black raven hair that that should then carry over into the TV series. And what, what kind of creative decision they have made is they had decided to actually change up those types of ethnicities with these characters. And again, it's not a huge deal. I don't necessarily view it as a deal breaker, but again, for me personally, if you have a world where they have these characters that have been around for a very long time, it's like there, there's no excuse for it. Even in the cinematics, like if you watch the 343 cinematics of like the Master Chief collection, right? Where they go through or you, or you play Halo Wars and you see those like super hyper realistic cinematics where like the people almost look like live action. They have looked a, a specific way this entire time. So why they decided to deviate from that it's just jarring. It's like, why would you, you know, why not he, my, in my view, create brand new characters, create new characters for these actors to play. Because once again, the UNSC is a huge institution. Sure, It's Russ? not like it's like this little like, yeah. oh, it's a clubhouse <laughs> with a couple of people nice. in it. It's not that way at all. But like I, for one would, would really love to see, those exact same actors actually portray these new installments. Like, you know, like you talked about earlier about um, Quan and wondering like, okay, does she have any kind of long-term significance to the story? But simply because you want to be able to see the other characters from Halo that you already know and love. So therefore, if you're going to spend time with new characters, then you need to make sure that they actually have a purpose for being there. And I think that, that that plays in really well with what I'm talking about, which is like, I would love to see them play some of these new, newly introduced characters within the UNSC, especially considering the fact that the story takes place before the games do. Mm. Does that make a lot of sense to you? Yeah. Yes, Ross. It makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, like, and, and that's the thing is like, you know, I, I don't want people to think that like I'm coming down hard just because they look different or anything else. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with being a creative purist based on what the archetype was originally and then move on from there. Right. Well, I think last night you were saying like, oh, that's Johnson. And you're like, and yeah, no, hi, I'm Keith. Like, oh. Not Johnson? Oh, I totally Johnson. did. I got super excited because when, when I first saw who was actually playing Captain Keys, I thought that was Sergeant Johnson, and I was like totally elated. I was like pumped to see Johnson, but it wasn't. I'm like, and now I'm wondering, are we going to see Johnson or right. not? It's going to be like some pipsqueak. Hey, Sergeant Johnson here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, and I could even use that <laughs> as an example too of like, you know, what happens if they introduce Sergeant Johnson and he's white? Or right. he's Asian. Yeah. Or I mean, you're just like, no, Sergeant, again, Sergeant Johnson has an archetype. Like, we all love ourselves some Sergeant Johnson, you know? I know what the ladies like. <laughs> and we love that. <laughs> like, like again, there are so many different characters within the world of Halo that, like, I'm, I think I could speak for all Halo fans when I say, like, we are clamoring to be able to see them rightfully represented mm. in this show. Would you agree, Steve? I would agree, Russ. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Oh, didn't, there we go. Two thumbs. Now the camera sees it. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. What else you got in there, Russ? Indeed. What else we got to talk about? That's about all the main points I wanted to make, Steve. Again, I think the production value of the show is good. You yes. know, I, I don't get a sense of it feeling like it's low budget. Um, I do like the idea that there is some kind of bond that the squad of Spartans have. Where like, you know, if you notice, 
when the UNSC was losing their their poop and uh, were saying, you know, if you'd have to kill, you know, Spartan 117, you'd do so. You know, and then Dr. Halsey privately speaks to the other Spartans and say, protect John Spartan and stuff like that. There was absolutely no pushback whatsoever from the Spartans because they, they know, they understand, they are part of the Spartan program. I really like that because it harkens back to Halo Reach. Right. And I think that just about all of us really love the the dynamics of that squad type of relationship. So that by the time you get to the end of the game of Halo Reach, I mean, you're totally, you, know, you have forged these bonds sure. with the, these unique Spartans unto themselves. And that's what I think about too is like, what I mentioned about how like there are opportunities to have new characters be introduced. How about the Spartans? Right. You know, just because we have John Spartan, he's not the only one. There are all these other Spartans that exist within the Spartan program. And that's where we get to have brand new characters be introduced that hopefully if they are created in a thoughtful manner and not just some sort of vapid, you know, surface level kind of stuff. I'm all for that. Bring it on. Like I, I would love to be able to see that. And I think that's what Bungie did so well is like in the story of Halo Reach, they really made it a point to explore what would it be like not to have just one Spartan, but have a group of them, which was new for us at the time. Right. But then by the end of the game, I mean, to this day, people still love all those characters. Right. And I think it's, oh, so, I mean, the, the group that we have now, I mean, is that going to be like our noble team? Can we call them that maybe? I don't think it's necessarily going to be a, you know, classified as noble team, but I mean, I'm sure they'll have their own name mm. for the team itself. And I hope that we get to see, you know, maybe not in this season, but as it goes on, I'm sure we'll see Cortana somewhere get introduced I into this season. Cortana, yeah. um, but, but hopefully like within like, like, you know, season two, season three, whatever, I want to see more of these Spartans be able to have a presence and build those relationships. Right. I guess what I really wanted to see and hope to see, I get you know, going forward, uh-huh. um, is a mix of, of two things, which is, uh, well, three. What we have now for the action, because you know, it's high budget and it's definitely cool. We both, we both agree on that. Uh-huh. Um, but I also want to see some of the heart that was in the Halo commercials that we used to have, like for Reach and Halo 3. Yeah. And if I can find those, I'll send them to you. Maybe you can put them in the you know, like comments or the you know, description or something. Indeed. And, and then thirdly, I'm trying to remember the, the guy's name, but he around that time he made like a uh, a real looking battle sequence with brutes and like um, uh, not the ravager, not the needle gun. I guess maybe it was the needle gun, but uh, you may know what I'm talking about, where. It was, it was the brutes. They were, the Spartans were running. They had like the, the spike grenades. They had I the totally banshee. Know. And like yeah. it was low budget, but it was still freaking awesome. Yeah. You know, I want to see those three factors <clears throat> in the episodes coming up. And honestly, I'm glad that you brought that up too, because I was thinking about that and, and it totally just uh, left my mind. But <gasps> that's one of the things I think about too, is like when you think back yeah. through the past 20 years, I'm thinking. You have those moments where like when a Halo game got released, they had some sort of, you know, sometimes they would have a live action commercial or you'd have some sort of indie director who has a passion for Halo make 
their own version of what's going on. And it was legit. That yeah, was awesome. I mean, like, like, yeah, we understand. Like, they're on a budget. It's a little You're bit lower totally budget. But, I mean, it. it still looked really <laughs> so good. Cool. And I think, furthermore, they were all of those were very successful in, like, evoking the spirit of Halo. And I think that that's something that that we did see t- in in flashes within this this first episode. Right. Like, there were moments like like the the initial battle at the outpost. I saw I, that that was the spirit of Halo. When um, <clears throat> when anytime Doctor Halsey was on there, that was totally you know another flash of Halo. Um, even the Spartans who were not going to kill Master Chief, that is like a little flash, you know, once again. So, or even seeing the Covenant leader. I mean, again, that was extremely true to the source material. It is interesting to think about those types of things because once again, you like when you think about how this world has been really fleshed out really, really well. Again, it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, give us our Sergeant Johnson. Give us like, you know, these types of of missions and stuff that's going on. You know, again, it's, don't get too mired in playing around with like intergalactic politics and stuff. It does have its place. Don't get me wrong. It has its place. However, in Halo, Halo is a joy ride. Like if you think about it, you know, the personification of the experience of playing Halo is like when you have a warthog filled with Marines and you go off a cliff and somehow, some way you land, you stick that landing and they all like, yeah, they, they hoop and holler and, you know, put their fists in the air and stuff like that. And even you are hooping and hollering. Right. You know, that is such a personification for what kind of thrill ride playing a Halo game is. Right. And I think to your point, too, I think that 343 is kind of in this weird state where they want to be custodians and good custodians of the Halo franchise. But at the same time, I feel like they're having to try and figure out how do we maintain what has already been established, but then move forward? And I, and honestly, this is this is another opinion that I have personally, is that anytime that you have a new IP, a new franchise, something that is brand new, that is created by a certain group of people, you have to maintain that exact same crew of people in order to maintain 100% of that particular soul or experience right. within that IP. As soon as you start swapping people in and out and, and having other influences come in with their own ideologies and that sort of thing, that's when any given IP begins to suffer. And that's why it is crucial. I mean, if you think about like like a great example of a success story, success story. Okay. Is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Huh. They have been able to pull off having the exact same people at the helm the exact same actors play their roles with very few exceptions. I would say like Rhodey is like the one kind of exception sure. out of the entire universe. Yeah. And they've got a multi, multi, multi billion dollar success story because they understand how crucial that is. And I think that that's something that, you know, in this day and age, it's not like Bungie's going to come back to Halo, right. but I do think it's, it's worth reflecting on that. Indeed. What kind of final thoughts do you have regarding the future prognosis of the Halo TV show, Steve? Well, Russ, I think currently the show sits at a C plus. C plus. I think because uh, they're giving me some 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 stuff to chew on for my noodle, 
and I like it. I mean, I was going home just thinking about the action sequences and cared, like, you know, just basically we're talking about nothing much really for the non-action sequences. Right. And I mean, and, and, but the non-action sequences are with some of the characters outside of combat. And of course, with, with Master Chief and his helmet off, I just, you know, just cannot get behind it. And I don't want them to give us, I don't want them to, to give us a show where they go, well, we can make money. We can make a few bucks off this show because there's a fan base. So what we're going to do is throw a Halo show out there. And we can get paid. You know, I want them to create art and yeah. I want them to, to handle this delicately and I want them to give it to us as we want it. Um, and so I'm, I'm cautious going forward. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see what happens, but I am kind of cautious. I don't want them to, to, I just don't want the show to leave a bad taste in my mouth where I go back to playing Halo. And then this is all I think about. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> I do. I do indeed, Steve. As far as I'm concerned, you, uh, another show that comes to mind is The Witcher. Witcher. And I feel like Henry Cavill was a terrific casting choice for The Witcher, mm. for Geralt of Rivia. Geralt. And not only that, but like, you know, let's talk about The Voice. He completely embraced and, and evokes the exact same type of gravelly voice that we all know and love about Geralt. And also his demeanor, his persona, that sort of thing is also very much respected within the show. When I compare that to something like this, you know, again, voice, especially in gaming, like you have, like, you know, pick, take your pick, you know, choose like what kind of franchise you want that has certain kind of characters. There are certain distinctive voices that are associated with those. Therefore, you cannot deviate from that. Otherwise, you will have alienation and fallout from your fan base. Having said that, I do think this show does have potential to a certain extent, but I, I'm kind of like in your camp. I'm, I'm a little apprehensive about how they're going to go about season one. Hmm. My hope is, is that we do get to see other characters that we know and love from the world of Halo, but I'm unsure of how they're going to move forward with the, the storytelling side of things. Yes. I feel like that's a, I don't know. Mm. It's a, it's a wait and see, but I will be watching it. I do think if you're a fan of Halo, check it out. Mm. You know, there, I think that there will be certain things that, that I think you will like, and there are certain things that you'll probably be disappointed about. Just have more measured expectations going in. And uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a fair shot. I'm, I'm going to watch the entire first season and then we'll just have to regroup and talk about what we thought. As far as I know, the show is going to be dropping on a weekly basis. Like every, I think it's every Thursday. Okay. Honestly, I think it's every Thursday they're going to get, there's a new show that's going to be out. So they're going to kind of spread it out for about what, a couple months or something. I think there's nine, I think I could be wrong. I think there's nine episodes. Okay. Works. For me. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it continues helping us financially doing this show. Also, make sure you press that subscribe button and click on that notification bell. That way you will not miss a certain specific episode of Joygasm that drops once a week, every week. And while you're at it, 
do a search on social media, your favorite one of choice for at Joygasm TV. We're on just about all of them. And so you'll be able to enjoy a lot of behind the scenes picks and all kinds of mischievous nonsense. I would like to put on there. Yes. And last but not least, do a search for us on Twitch for at Joygasm TV. You'll see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. And next week, we are going to be talking about Elden Ring, which has been completely dominating my poor soul for the past couple of weeks. It's a brutal one, and we can't wait to talk about it. So we will see you all then.